Hello, everyone, and welcome back. You are listening to the Young American Podcast. My name is Britt, and today we have got an interview for you guys that we recorded a few weeks back with Abby Hamilton. Abby is a recording artist, and she is one of the best things to come out of Lexington in a long, long time. She's been on tour with Tyler Childers, and she has got an album that is dropping on October 13th that's called The Number One Zookeeper of the San Diego Zoo phenomenal phenomenal music you can check out her music video you can stream her on all the platforms even if you're not a country music fan if you're not an indie music fan i think there's something for you in this abby talks a lot about the songwriting process and just has a great great outlook on things she's very humble very smart and she's given a lot of shout outs in this conversation to a lot of the artists that help her get where she's at right now so give her a follow Check out that album and go and see her while you still can because I have a feeling that she is going to blow up here very, very shortly. So we were glad to get her on this side of things. Thank you guys so much. Reach out to us. Give us a follow. Subscribe. Give us a review. You can follow us on the socials or you can email us at youngamericantalk at gmail.com. Without further ado, our conversation with Abby Hamilton. You're listening to the Young American Podcast. Is that the tiny bill one? Oh my god. How do you even still have that? Uh, That's what I'm saying. I'm surprised the material hasn't just like disintegrated. It's almost there. You're so good at that. Just having things forever. I mean, again, <laughs> I meant that as a compliment. A pack I meant it as a good thing. You just pull out like a really cool, like old shirt or something that's still intact somehow. You're really great at being a hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> Throw so something out. I didn't know things. if your driveway was a trap for us. Like if I was gonna step in there and just. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's actually probably safe to drive on, but he hasn't like given me the thumbs up or anything yet. Yeah, but. dude. I walked out this morning like to start putting stuff in the car. And the first thing I noticed were the enormous sparks. I thought Todd Gocher and Jenny Slay were out there. Like, <laughs> zzz, zzz, like Todd sparks. so and many Slay. sparks. All kick off. <laughs> and uh, then the second, series. I noticed this dude was cutting all the stuff in flip flops. Like, isn't that like a grade A violation of safety protocol? Like you're gonna no, lose a foot. Name him. Name him. Yeah, name the company. We'll shut him down. Okay, like, Chris. Before we get started, you have for sake you have to choke up on the microphone <laughs> you led the conversation I, I, this hey, last on. one and you were like talking past it right here you love to do that because i have a soft i have a soft voice and i, <laughs> I don't project mic. i don't project people tell me i don't project i'm like <laughs> i even like chris that when you scream you kind of scream softly like he always like, when it's it's when he's doing the impersonate like the impressions. Yeah. It's I'll like a soft think, scream. Well, I'll just go your dad. John, I've made an in, I've oh, made yeah. a quick inventory of all the things that you left at the house. You left it's, so much stuff at my house. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah, you, you yeah. left your baby. There's a there's a stack of newborn <laughs> diapers, Rooney's water cup. Cool. Rooney. Rooney. Yeah, Rooney's <laughs> Rooney's watching TV right now. 
That's why the drive. She peed on my couch. <laughs> you know what's funny, oh, John? Have... I didn't realize until we went to your house when you were at the hospital <laughs> that you are sitting at Rooney's drawing table right I'm now. I 100% am sitting at her <laughs> you drawing table. Like, you were in like a little child's chair. I am. Here, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, I like yeah. looked at it, I said, wait, John sits at Rooney's table to do these things? I did see it. Chris walked in and like oriented himself and he was like, is that... <laughs> is that John's podcast, Dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's one helpful because I am no longer. I got kicked out of my office because Juno's sleeping in there now. Also, I am like hardlined into the Ethernet, so I'm right here. But also, this chair is very comfortable. You've been there for months, though, way before oh. Juno. That's why you always fall well, we asleep. We had to set up the room. We had to get. It. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I'm also 400 miles away, staring at a screen. Five seconds behind the conversation. <laughs> I'm like Matt Damon on, you on said, Mars. I've just got like one more for a response. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one more, and then I'm I'm fading fast. <laughs> All right, we can get started. Um, what's up, everybody? My name's Britt. Chris. I'm Nathan. I'm John. John's in Atlanta, and we've got a very special guest. Guest. <laughs> <laughs> a special guest with us today. Please welcome Abby Hamilton. Hey. Hello. Thank you so much for coming and, and sitting with us. Does anybody want to start? <laughs> Otherwise, I can. You know what one of my all-time favorite starts of our episode is when Chris is taken off. <laughs> he started the conversation. And he goes, ik, 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 ik. <laughs> It just sounds like a stuttering tape. I can't remember what episode it is, but it is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Were you trying to ask a question? Or you I just think I just doing I, a bit? No, I think I started a, com- I started a sentence and then like, Changed my mind halfway through like four different times, and then Andrew just interrupts me and goes, e- oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and we leave it in. Andrew, Andrew does poke at people quite. Whenever I say cut that, that always means that Britain leaves it in. So, Abby, you're a girl of many, one. many talents. One, you are a rocketing to the top country performer. Hey, my Apple Music says indie rock. Hell hey, yeah. did right. you select that on purpose? Mine says urban. Urban. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a picture, picture of like Missy Elliott in a bucket hat. Oh my God, I wish. <laughs> and just moonlight as Missy Elliott as a marketing plug. We did. We, I Yeah, they actually, when we were starting to put this record out, we're like, what genre do you want to do this in? And I was like, country. I think we just call it country. But there's all this stuff with radio and DSP that like... If you assign it this thing. What's DSP? I don't know this. Uh, like digital distribution. So okay. like playlisting and how they send it to like syncing for like uh, TV, movie, commercial. Like hmm. if you're making the movie, you're going to search uh, lo-fi beats. And these are all the songs that come up under that. So hmm. with country, they were like, I don't really know if you should do that. Because then you're going to get put on a playlist with, uh, you know. Like a Zach Bryan or something like that, which isn't bad, but... So is it easier if you label yourself indie to get into some of like those other like more universal playlists like country versus we'll see. vice versa? I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't Stories know. Stories yet to be told. Yeah, I think I was always really dead set on it being country because it's a country record to me, yeah. but it's leaning way more rock in a yeah. lot of ways too. So I just kind of looked to my predecessors going like, what did, how did you do this? And Mm. like Cheryl Crow is always, even her country records are rock. They're all 
Yes. John wrote as a rock record. So when you first released Broken Flowers, I think I texted you that night and I was like, God, I, this is such a great EP. Broken, Wait, Broken Flowers is what it's called, right? Broke is it Broke Girl? Broke Girl. Broke Girl. But there's a song on there called Flowers. Flowers. I was like, okay. did I write a song called Broke Girl? <laughs> I know you're like, man, good, that's deep good, cut. Good pod prep, Britt. Yeah. <laughs> um, Flowers is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, we did. We've put out two EPs. Two so we EPs. did Broke Girl, and then we did Afraid of the Dark, and then this is the first single off the upcoming record. Fantastic, Zookeeper. What made you pick? It's called. The song is called Number One Zookeeper of the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> I do love when a song has it in the title like that, but it isn't like the overarching chorus yeah. of it. So when I heard it. For the first time, I was like, that's really cool. Well, then Sick. you can do like the Leo thing from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. you know what I'm talking about? The <laughs> meme where he's like, that's me. Here it comes. Here comes yes. my scene. That's what you can do. Yes. And every time you hear it. <laughs> yep. That's and then great. Johnny directed your video. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can also see everywhere. Mm -hmm. Was that your idea? Like, walk me through the, the process of of shooting, writing, all of that. Was that something? Did you know I want John to direct this? Did you know what it was going to be about or did you have somebody do all that i knew i wanted john so like i feel like two years ago <laughs> i called Forever him and was ago. like like when we had finished i i've been sitting on this record for coming up on three years now A like really it's been done yeah yeah <clears throat> um and we just were waiting for so many different things to get sorted and find the right time but i called him like two years ago and was like in a dream world, <laughs> if we had an unlimited budget, <laughs> like what would this look like? And it, it came, I mean, we had so many iterations mm -hmm. of a video concept with three different songs and then it was this other song and then it was just one song. And like, So you hadn't picked what it was going to be yet? No, I mean, oh, okay. we, not until the final, like, I would say we really picked it till October, November. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny, like, we had, I remember... I'm trying to remember if this was before COVID or after. Who knows? <laughs> I just remember you let me listen to it. You sent me a link, and I got to listen to it. And um, I remember like hearing the first handful of songs and just going, wow, these sound incredible. Baby Let's Ride is like one of my—I love that Sick. song, Abby. It is so awesome. good. And so I hear these first chunk of songs. I'm just like, wow, Abby has like up-leveled big time. And then I heard Zookeeper. And I was like, what the f*** was that? Like, it was, <laughs> it just so caught me off guard. And I remember I came over to your house and we were just like, hey, let's just start throwing yeah. noodles at the wall. Like, let's just see what sticks out. And if I remember this correctly, I kind of was just like, Abby, I mean, obviously, like, how you want to release your music and your singles and stuff like that is totally up to you from a purely creative standpoint. This is what I think could be kind of fun. And it was leaning towards like zookeeper. And then there's like kind of this like trio of songs that we mm -hmm. were kind of cooking up of just like, man, what if we kind of built this crazy, like continuation of a story and it, it kind of like yeah. is interwoven in all of these videos and stuff like that. And I remember at the time we were really, really digging it. But I also think that you were kind of going like, oh, I wonder if, you know, there's another track that maybe come out the gates on a different foot. So then we were kind of prepping that way. And then I remember you gave me a call and you're just like, hey, listen, we changed our minds. 
we're going with Zookeeper. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Like, come on, man. If you're going to, if this is your first full length, let's just come out the gates hot and just swing for the fences. And so, like, I just think that's so cool because it's such a different kind of trajectory for you. And I mean, especially just kind of knowing your music and stuff like that. I was like, man, I love that this is kind of the introduction to the world, just something kind of gnarly and out of left field. Something like that. So it's super yeah. fun. Yeah, I've always I've always loved your ability to tell a story in like a three minute song is insane. Like and and it's funny because it makes you ask the question, who, what, where, what is this about? You know, like it makes you because you start picturing all these things without a music video component, but then you have this sick yeah. music video with all these visuals, which is really cool to come out of the gates with. But yeah, like uh, flowers, like Britain was mentioning um, incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like just all these songs you've had. And I mean, Afraid of the Dark is another really good one that that just tells a story. But yeah, but um, I remember hearing a handful of these songs a few years ago when you were. Yeah, I sent them to you, right? After you did. mixes. Yeah. I was like, hello, help. <laughs> yeah, it was very nice mm. of you to, to ask me to. And that, yeah, that feel, I can't even remember what year it was. I, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> early. Probably two years ago, yeah. But I was, I was, I was like you, John, where I'm listening to it and I'm like, it's a, it's an album full of singles. And I'm like, I don't even know which one of these you're going to show the world first. And then you kind of get to Zookeeper, or at least I, I got there. I was like, ooh, it might be this one. Uh. Like, just like that. It has that like, just beat that kind of comes out of the gates and then yeah. man and then the yeah and then the story it just paints is really really cool did and any it, of those original iterations of your video idea come to fruition parts of it parts i of think it. in you the end the, you go, go ahead it. you go ahead i was just gonna say like the 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 theme of the song like thematically it's mostly just about fa fantasy it's like fake worlds you create to deal with your circumstance so i think the in the beginning stages there were just elements of like um like we, I always reference through. I think those early meetings we did. I still have like these giant post-it notes in mm -hmm. my bedroom mm -hmm. Keep from where, yeah, they're they're mine forever because it's just John's writing. Like <laughs> no nos, yes yes, this this this, and like every single song, all these themes we were pulling out, and like I think that just one of the parts of it was just trying to like chase this natural born killers thing where you have this. Oh, like, he told me about this. Yeah, which was something that John had pitched in the beginning where. I was going like, how do we create like a mixed media thing that feels ironic? Because I feel like the song in itself is really just stupid. It's like, it's just a very dramatic take on heartbreak and we just need to lean into that. Um, so I don't think the first treatment we wrote is anything close to what we did, mm -mm. but the concept is. And yeah. I think we had to put it into like, how would we do this if we had $5,000? How would we do this if we had $100,000? Yeah, and yeah. like, how can we find the best route through this, no matter the financial situation, which honestly was the hardest part going, yeah. how do we pull resources here, but do it in a way that is worth people's time to invest in, which is mostly on John's lead there, where I just was like, you know, at one point I'm like, do we use a projector? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. That's do we like, draw these backdrops? Backdrops? Right. I don't know what to do. Like, right. And that was one of the things there. that, like, I think that one of the things I was most excited about when we finished shooting was just going like, we had kind of kicked around this d idea for such a long time, and then it kind of like morphs, and then you chip away, and you chip away, and mm -hmm. you chip away, and we were about a month and a half out from shoot date. And I started doing some, like, camera tests with the guy, Eric. Shout out Eric Hernandez, my guy, Eric Films, um, that shot it with us. And I, we were doing some camera tests with the projector. 
And about 10 minutes into the test, I was like, <laughs> like, this isn't working. <laughs> like the approach, work. like the approach of how we wanted to do this wasn't working. And <laughs> part of it is a learning of like kind of going like, how do you match a grand idea with mm-hmm. a budget? And like, how do you accomplish that? But we were a month and a half out and I'm just going like, I, I, I don't know if I can pull this off. Like, I don't know if this is going to work if we do it like this. And then long story short, I essentially allotted half of our budget to renting this studio where we got to shoot on this enormous LED wall. And all of these scenes that we were in were essentially digitally created. And you can kind of move within the scene and it feels as if it's real life and stuff like that. That's like a big, like, that's like cutting edge technology right now, right? Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of how they're going to be shooting movies from here on out. It's just like, hey, instead Mm -hmm. of doing on location in the middle of the desert and instead of doing green screen let's just create it digitally and then you throw all these sensors all over the place with your camera and then it talks to it and then you're just moving around the desert it was crazy you want to. and wasn't and that western backdrop from like fallout or something from a video it, game all of those those backdrops are intended for video game uses <laughs> like you just kind of find them in yeah. this library it's yeah insane yeah so well, then you can like wasn't, tweak wasn't and there like stuff. a wasn't there like a hologram Amy Lee gemstone in the background <laughs> there at one point? Or was it like a, or was it, was it, it should uh, have been. <laughs> was it Tupac or was it run around right the house there with a pickle in your mouth? with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Billy Baba Bonkers. Yeah. They also they got do a, like, I know you said like they use that technology, like the, essentially if you've ever watched like the Mandalorian, like that whole thing is mm-hmm. shot on one of those, right? Mm-hmm. And then you were pumped, John, telling, telling me about it. Yeah. Just the, getting to use this thing. Yeah. And then I watched the video. You sent me the video. And I watched it. And I was like, man, I would really love to see this studio. And then the ending of the video comes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that ending. Have you seen it? Yeah. Where the doors open. Yeah. And you just come out like that. And you kind of get a picture. And you guys are doing the, the cheers with everybody. <laughs> that, that was, was an OG so ID awesome. idea from like the treatment, I feel like, that we first did. Yeah. With this idea of all these songs moving in together that was one of the original ideas we had was like exiting a studio the fantasy world. because i just wanted this feeling that was like escape movie or something yeah. like right at the end where you're just like whoa did they make this themselves or was <laughs> it in the studio was yeah. she in a movie were they what were they doing you know yeah and it just breaks every wall there completely yeah so, a, so when you say you had all the these different ideas threaded and you were potentially going to put them through three did you guys shoot just the one video or was there yeah, like just other? the one just the one i mean that was really all i mean all that i had to mm-hmm. do a video for this was we poured it right into zookeeper because mm-hmm. that was always the question with the record was like it, it essentially is a concept album but rarely do people do that on their first album um and going like if Zookeeper is my lead single, that really solidifies this being a concept record. Mm-hmm. Or do I take the route where this song comes out first and so then it just becomes a collection of songs that doesn't totally have a story? And that just took me months to try to figure out what my best foot forward was going to be. And then once I kind of came to that being Zookeeper, I just was like, let's build the world. Let's just throw it all into this thing. So I'm very pleased. And it's the title track on the album, right? It is, yeah, yeah. which also freaked me out. I was like, I don't want to So the album's called single. Number One Zookeeper? Yeah, the okay. album's called Number One Zookeeper as well. I, I really love just the stream of thought 
that that song is in. And I have a few questions about just the way you go about writing songs and stuff. And honestly, for anybody that's listening to this that has no idea who you are, are do you write? I mean, a, a lot of us have a background with you, but I think I probably know you that like the least. We you probably know. should say that, right? We've we've all known we each other have, for like twenty years. We do have some history. <laughs> yeah, we've me and the boy. We've got history. <laughs> yes, Abby used to go to the church that you loved. <laughs> yes, yes. We've known Abby for a long, long time, long so time. we're very comfortable. This is actually Best of Quest Part 3. But also, to be fair, I think all of you have been a part of my life musically from the very beginning. Hmm. Like, shucks. Earliest of days. Like, I was thinking about it on the drive over, like, when was the first time I ever played in church? And I think it was because Gabe Adkins needed a keys player for the high school ministry. Hmm. And I was probably 13, I think. <laughs> so I would get walked down from the middle school area <laughs> to play piano and access and then get escorted back. Oh my back God. Out. Wow. That's amazing. So that's like my first. Escorted yeah. back. Hey, like, Bye, Abby. We need her out of here. <laughs> Lorelai was like walking you Thanks back up. Thanks for your keys. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe has a project called Little Brother. Go check that out. Yeah. Uh, wow. You, uh, I, I specifically remember <clears throat> a time, I think I was playing, I was pinch hitting for you guys. I was playing drums at one point and you and Johnny were trying to convince Abby to sing and you were like, oh no. No. We could no, never no, get no, you no, to no, sing. No, 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 so scared. We could never get you to sing. Yeah. It's really bizarre because like there was so much singing in my house. Like, Everybody was musical. Yeah, tell us. Well, about that's that. I want to ask about that because you don't, you don't seem like somebody who's afraid of the mic at all. I just have that one like snippet of a memory of that. Okay, but yeah. it, but is that like is music a piece of your history, your familial lineage? Is that something for sure? Was there always somebody playing guitar. What did that look like? For you? Yeah, we had a rule in our house growing up that we all had to be in a music lesson until we were eighteen, and mm -hmm. it didn't. It didn't matter what it was, and we could jump around if we wanted to. But my Glenn led or Bob? Uh, Bob. 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 <laughs> Glenn and Bob. Bob. Glenn and Bob. <laughs> Excuse me, Bob. <laughs> Mom, don't listen to this. Bob. It was both of them, honestly, because dad, dad is a classical pianist, and then mom. Mom sang all the time in church. She's, she won Frankfurt Star. Shout out to Barbara when Shout she was in high Bar. school. Frankfurt Ooh. Star. She's the Frankfurt Star. Oh, I thought you were talking about Quest Frankfurt for a second. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, what, no, no. Why was I not Frankfurt Star? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell no. should have called her that for everything she did at Quest Frankfurt. She should have been the Frankfurt Star. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was just a total joint effort and my my dad's side of the family is all eastern kentucky and my great aunts were in a gospel band called the hamilton family in the 70s oh, <laughs> awesome. they're awesome they're they're incredible and they still sing like every christmas every family get together we get around the piano and they all sing and it's awesome so there's a huge legacy in my family but i think i just was a very timid i was just a very shy shy person when did so that much. when did that break for you um, I think, I think the years of being on stage definitely helped that, like, cause I started playing piano and keys, like very early on as a teenager at church. So I think that exposure over time helped. I like remember, I think I auditioned one time for like a musical in high school and that was the most terrifying hmm. thing I'd ever done. 
aside from maybe trying to sing in the worship band or something and being so scared. But what like, musical was it? The, uh, the Princess and the Pea. Oh, that one? next music. Wait, what's video. it called? Well, no, it's called Once Once Upon a Mattress. Yeah, that, there you go. Once Upon yeah, a Mattress. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's the story of the Princess and the Pea. I yeah, I don't know. I the biggest thing was just I had been in like bands and then in worship bands all growing up. Um, was totally fine to sing harmony and then realized like if I was going to go to college, it's like a very long story, but in short, if I was going to go to college in my hometown at the college that my parents worked at, I was like, I'm going to do only what I want to do. This is like the only thing I have. And so the closest thing to what I wanted to do was a worship arts degree, which is a contemporary music degree that had like classes in ministry as well so I just loved the professor John Roller who I lived across the street from growing up so much and then he was like the first guy ever to write textbooks on contemporary music used in most colleges today which is crazy Mm. so I was like I just want to get my chops yeah I just want to get my chops up really if if I have to go to college (laughs) 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 like I'm gonna do this you know and Shout so, out John Roller. Too. John Dude, Roller. Father love, Worship. I love him so oh. much. Oh, yeah. He's oh. the kindest soul. He's hard not to love. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he was just my, at Asbury, my, my favorite mentor of all time. I would ask him all my end of world existential questions. And uh, in my experience in religion was always answered. But with John, he would just ask me another question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be like, what do you mean? He <laughs> will not like, patronize you. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, cool. So have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that, that sometime in college I had to lead worship for chapel. And so I had to just get used to singing in front of people. And that helped a ton. I think overall. I didn't realize that you had any kind of ties to Eastern Kentucky until I listened to your music. Really? And, yeah. And I, and I, you know, obviously their stories, I was like, I don't, I didn't know that Abby, any of that. And I, I was curious about that in your music. Is it autobiographical? Is it biographical? Is there, are you taking stories from pieces of family, members. Know, family members or is it, is it uh well, you went back to like visit those roots, right? Kind of yeah. for the purpose of songwriting. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's mostly observation of other people and, stories of my family um but I went right after college I like did some babysitting gigs and got in the world and was like I don't want to do any of this (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to work a nine to five I don't want to be a worship leader I like had was working at a hair salon for a little while like doing desk work and uh, my family has a farm in eastern Kentucky that was my great-grandparents that's just been like passed down so there's a house on that property that I lived at for like a year after school and um, literally so dramatic. It's like a Bonnie Bear, like go to the, go to the woods and be by yourself. But it improved my writing and my playing so much because it was the only thing I had to do all day. Um, but it definitely inspired so many stories. I think of all the stories that I heard growing up because my whole dad's side of the family is Virgie, um, Eastern and Prestonsburg. And I just, that's just how you hang out is you just tell, everyone tells each other stories the entire time. Mm. Or like if they're describing, 
simple directions of where to go. I mean, they're going to spend 45 minutes explaining every road they went down and why they went that way and who lives there and whose dad bought the house before that person lived there and Mm. how they were connected. So it was funny going back to those roots because I found myself listening to them Mm. and being like, oh my God, this is how, this is language here. This is the language that I grew up with. And these are stories of real people just as much as my experiences are like in the big city, which is Lexington, which is so funny. But (laughs) yeah, it's mostly I mean, there's definitely parts of all of it autobiographical and trying to place myself in the characters that I create and or at least try to find the feelings of the stories of the people being like, how would I feel if I was there? How did you start getting into that? Dude, I just, I remember in college realizing that all my favorite songs were not written by the people that sang them. And that was like the biggest wake up to me. Mm. I was like, what? (laughs) Like Johnny Cash didn't even write Sunday Morning Coming Down. That was Chris Christopherson. Like, Mm. and I just never knew, I never knew that you could be a songwriter and not the singer. And you could be both, but like, and then the big, uh, the, uh, the other big one was the, um, Bonnie Ray, Angel from Montgomery, because I had grown up with that song and f- love Bonnie Ray, but had no idea who John Prine was and like mm. was awoken to this entire discography of this incredible person. And yeah, I just th- I think that was the first time in my life I was like ever excited about something <laughs> like inside of me. I was like, oh, I've never felt purpose like that before, which wow. is crazy because I, I hadn't even written songs really. And I d- couldn't play guitar, but I was like, I want to do that for yeah. sure. Just yeah. write songs. Well, there's like something about, you know, I-, I can do neither of these things, but, you know, writing a song, especially lyrically, is an art all in itself. And you just go like, how do you craft that skill? To me, it almost becomes even a different skill to go, I'm going to write through the eyes of someone else. And I'm going right. to get into their emotions. I'm going to get into their feelings and their thoughts and their processes. And I was just like, whoa, like, what do you, Avatar, like, you're getting into, like, a new body. And I was like, what do you <laughs> yeah. do? Like, when was the first time you were just like, oh, sh-. like, I can write something through Britain's perspective. I'm going to embody him as a person and then write in that voice. Like, how, do you, how did you start cracking that code? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> you do it so well. Yeah, you do it really yeah. well. Thanks. Was it Nothing Says Appalachian Cowgirl? Cowgirl like yeah, a yeah, baby yeah. bouncing on your change thing. Yeah, change Nothing things. Better, yeah. <clears throat> that one's really, that's, that was a big one in that vein, John, mm. of like trying to put, because that story is based on my grandparents who, um, yeah, just had like a really loving way of building their family, but a very tumultuous end and going. I can't imagine, I don't, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn here about them, but like, I can't imagine thinking your life was going to look one way, mm-hmm. building it and then it falling apart mm-hmm. and having to be like, I still have to find justification in the choices that I made, you know, that gave me the life that I'm living. Like there's some purpose there, even if it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. So I think... I remember trying to tap into just a theme there of going like, what is the major, if you're looking back on your life, trying to find justification of your experience, what was the initial experience? Like what was the feeling that, that you would have had? And at that point it probably was just like this total 
young love, like we can get out of here thing. So that, that helped my brain have empathy for those characters and then let them not be my grandparents, let them be whatever it was I wanted to create. But was your intent to own these songs? To play these songs, or did you? Was there still the you wanted to be a songwriter and to to yeah. write for other people? Yeah, I did not want to. Yeah, I just didn't. I don't know if I didn't want to, but I didn't see myself doing that at all. Um, I remember when did that change? I that's a great. I I remember seeing what was happening in Kentucky when I was graduating college. Like so, that was when. Tyler Childers had just really, I think he had just put out Purgatory. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then like, I had just started hanging out around a lot of venue, local venues in town because my, th- my thought process was going, man, there's so many great people coming out of Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia. I want them to cut my songs. Like, how do I get them to cut my songs? Mm. And when I started hanging out around here, I realized everyone writes their songs here. Everyone writes their songs. No one's cutting other people's songs. So then I was like, well, I can't, I'm not really at the place where I have the chops to go to Nashville right now and can't afford to go to Nashville right now. Um, So I think if I sing my songs, people will hear the songs and then they might want to cut them or at least I'll be able to meet other artists. So it was almost a way to get your songs out there. I wanted the songs to get cut. I was like, or at least start co-writing. Because there were some artists, to, like Grayson Jenkins, was a who became such a good friend over time. But Grayson was really starting to play a lot around here. And um, Sonora May. And there was a band called Magnolia Boulevard. Who are, they're all, all these artists are amazing. They're still making music right now. Incredible records. <laughs> but those were some of the first people I met. Uh, Arlo McKinley was one of them, too. And Justin Wells. That I was like, ooh, I could write with these people. Like, hmm. these are people that are making this type of music that I understand but that takes a lot of relationship building and a lot of time because there's not a big culture of co-writing around here there started to been be recently but yeah I quickly just realized that nobody everybody writes their songs here so Hmm. um that concept to me like at first because I've thought about that I remember you telling me or just hearing through John or Nathan that, that you wanted to be a songwriter. And I was like, gosh, there's something about that that feels like, like giving away a child or something (laughs) to be able to wrap your mind around that. Like I remember hearing about that. Chris and I's dad growing up loved Elton John and we would always (laughs) pick through his vinyl and things like that. And we, I remember looking on the back of one one time and being like, who is this guy? (laughs) All songs written by Bernie Toppin. If you ever listened to an Elton Johnson, I think he might've wrote Candle in the Wind, but most of his entire Mm -hmm. celebrated catalog is written by Bernie Toppin. Mm -hmm. And he's like the guy that wrote all the stuff and then Elton John. And I just thought, how crazy must that be? Or how, uh, I don't know. There must be like a weird feeling, like an empty feeling to watch somebody else perform something that you poured your heart and soul into. Hmm. So, I mean, if you, I mean, that, the, the story's yet to be written. So if you're able sure. to do that, yeah. that's awesome. But I mean, I, I think that's, that just depends on your attachment to the art in itself, but also how people see you. I mean, I feel like some of my favorite singers and songwriters and records are done by writers like people who are Mm full-time country songwriters like Lori McKenna and Natalie Hemby are two of my favorites who've put out phenomenal records and they don't really tour like 
uh, Natalie's in the High Women with Brandy Carlisle yeah. and Maren Morris and Amanda Shires, but they tour every once in a while, but kind of only with, with uh, I know Natalie has toured a bunch with Tim McGraw and uh, Faith Hill because they've, Natalie has written a ton of Tim McGraw songs. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. And I think that that's just such a beautiful, I've always wanted to be the person in the room with the artist, with the record deal that's going, yeah. I, I, ha I have, I had this horrible conversation with my mom today da, 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 and that we could sit down and go, how did that make you feel? Why do you feel that way? And like be part of directing someone into the like flow of their own ability to write something is like such a dream job for me. So mm, I cool. hope that that happens and it looks like it's going to start happening, which is really exciting, but do you want to write a song about Barbara and an argument you had? <laughs> <laughs> I might have already done that. <laughs> well, Bob, you know, like, are you and Abby, one of the things that I've loved seeing just in this last, you know, especially just since this album, you know, started to come to life and stuff like that, just kind of going back to what you're talking about, Britt, you're just going like, man, you know, what does it mean to create something and then hand it to someone? And then you go, hey, you make, you know, you kind of do your interpretation of this or you, you know, maybe even on some levels, like you become famous for this thing that I created. And the thing that I'd be hard for me. Yeah, it'd be mm -hmm. hard. And I think the thing that I've seen in you, Abby, that's so cool is like there's so much of this like master puppeteering. Like I want to be the person <laughs> behind the curtain and, and that you're thinking these thoughts about yourself as an artist, as a brand, as like this mm -hmm. entity that I, that you're enjoying this process, I think, of becoming <laughs> like, hey, I'm not just this like voice box, and I'm not just this singer songwriter. Sure. What if I'm like kind of this, and I'm gonna shape how this comes out, and I'm gonna, I, I don't know. It's just been a really cool thing to see, and I've just, I don't know. I remember you ever telling me that your goal and hope was that you get to be kind of like the pen, and that you get to help this, you know, become real for other people. I don't know. And then I just wondered if you were just like, well. I'm actually really good at this and I'm actually really <laughs> good at the stage and I'm good at kind of crafting oh, this man. thing. And what if there's something different there? It's just been cool to see that like come to life in a different way in this last Thanks. two years and stuff like that. And I don't know. It's really surprising. Yeah. I definitely did not see my year looking like this at all, but I think that's kind of the power of just what happened with making the record on the idea of, there just being no answer on the other end. Mm. Like we, I literally had zero money making this album and literally just because Dwayne looked at me and was like, this is my producer, Dwayne Lundy, who's amazing. But in the middle of COVID was like, I feel like you have enough, enough songs to make a record. Let's just make it and it'll figure itself out. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> You're a nut. Um, but we did it and that's what happened. So it's like a really good mix of good love and good, luck and good faith and hard a lot of hard work <laughs> yeah. good and bye-bye <laughs> I, I have a question for you well so i play drums so i'm not a songwriter i just hit things <laughs> but all of you all you john do you write do you write songs no, no I, I, I tried to when I was like heavy into dashboard and, Natalie. and honorary title, and I was just like, man, this is sad. Dashboard, yeah. I really like to hear those. <laughs> oh boy, were they just talk about some gems? No, I I am not. I've I tried it, and it was just like, this is not 
not me. I'm not. I'm not cut out for oh, this. Oh, by the way, your parents came over the other night to drop <laughs> my wife off some Chinese noodles. Oh, I know. Oh my god. Oh, I and love Eva's noodles. Your mom referred to you as a banana, and I'd <laughs> never heard that term before. What? Oh, yellow on yellow the outside, on the white outside, on the inside. white on the inside. Do you know why that is though? That's <laughs> <laughs> because half of my life Perfect. I was. That's because half of my Perfect. life was spent being raised by Rachel Pendleton. Love both yeah, of my moms. Do you know what your mom would kill at? Is Kill Tony. Have you ever seen Kill Tony? No. Tony Hinchcliffe. He's a comedian. Mm-mm. He has like a stand-up uh, comedy <laughs> show where they like pull people out of an audience. It's in Austin. It's like sold out every night. You guys should watch it. You would love it, but. They just pull names out of a hat, and you have to come up and do a one minute in front of. It's like oh, him. Well, just, just like a monologue or something. One minute stand up. You get pulled whoa. randomly, See, and it's Tony like, oh. Hinchcliffe. I've been training for this. I. That's uh, all of us <laughs> need to go, but your mom needs to go because she would. <laughs> she's a firecracker, <laughs> man. But she is. She is not purposefully funny though. Yeah, she, but that's why it'd be funny because you could just get her up there just it. talking. <laughs> See, so we have we all the, the five of or at least the three of us have like running notes on our phone of like. <laughs> Stand up, like some gun to your head. You got to do a stand up. I cannot up. believe you guys have not seen Kill Tony. No, this is it's called Kill Tony. Kill Tony. Right, it's been on it for right like now. seven seasons, probably. But they bring up new comedians every single night. So like, last week was Post Malone and Joe Rogan were the guest celebrity guests. <laughs> Tony Hitchcliffe <laughs> and this other guy. And then yeah, it's like there's a few regulars, but. Everyone gets pulled out of that. And amazing. it's the most embarrassing, <laughs> terrifying, and sometimes incredibly funny. Would you do set. it with us if we if we went to a to an open mic and just said everybody gets three minutes? You got another go. city like that, I could do it. Yeah, I feel like if it's another city, if I knew it was taped, hell no. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a minute right now. I don't. I might have thirty seconds. If I I don't ask you to do right talk now. Slow no, now. I can't. And go. <laughs> I'd have to deep dive through my notes right now. <laughs> What's the deal with? Yeah. What's the deal? I was with in traffic. traffic and, it uh, would be. I'm. I would wonder how many people accidentally like plagiarize their whole bit. Like oh, they get up there sure. and they just like accidentally saw something on Louis or something. Well, I just really love that your mom like straight burned you without you even being in the room. I don't, I don't think it's a burn as much as it is kind of accurate. Pretty very, it's very true. It's very, very true. You're I am the, the least Chinese person you've ever He's a met. Banana. I have thought about like if I ever went and did stand-up and just... Because if you're if you're singing a song, it's like I can close my eyes and this has a, a beginning and an end and I just <laughs> find my way through the path. But you're just like... Have you ever seen a comic aside from Mitch Hedberg just close their eyes? <laughs> <laughs> just like, there's no way out. You're just staring at everybody. I would just be like, thanks a lot, everybody. My name's Chris. And then I would just bounce out of there. <laughs> My name's Chris. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that would be great if you and I did it at the same time, but you went up. Like when you had a mustache, it would have been better. Like you go up with the mustache and then go out. I go up without the mustache. Like, <laughs> this is the same guy just shaved his face. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. That could so work. So the que- the reason I brought that up, John, is so you say you haven't written a song, but are you like a? They say there's quick songwriters that are just like first thought is the best thought, and then there's people that mull over their songs and take it. There's a story about the song hallelujah by leonard cohen and it took him like that was a labor of love that's like, a great it took podcast. him like five years to write that song and at one point he meets bob dylan and bob dylan says 
he was the first one to take notice of it. He was like, hey, I love that uh, that Hallelujah song. How long did it take you to write? Or he says, how long did it take you to write that? I and think, he, and I he lied and name? said two years. Bob's just like kind of shakes his head and he goes, how long did it take you to write? Uh, Blown you know, in the wind. I and I. And he was like, 15 minutes. Cohen <laughs> <laughs> like, just like sinks back. Because like, <laughs> it was five years? Yeah. Oh my God. Are you, so when you say you went off to Eastern Kentucky and kind of took this year to kind of figure out, uh, just, just to spend some time unplugging and learning how to songwrite, essentially, are you, was that quick? Like once guitars in hand and pens to page or are you like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna i'm gonna wait i, w- I want to learn more about that story and come back to it mm. i i'm not like a constant will like i'm not somebody who's constantly writing or um i don't have a st- song in my brain all the time i'm not like i've met people like that west smith from brother smith is like that that boy can write songs faster than anyone else i've ever met but I tend to like chase, I'm always chasing like a, like a line, like just one line that, that could start my song or be a chorus or be a bridge. And once I have that, I feel like it tends, if I'm in the right headspace, it'll flow out and I'll sit there with it long enough to edit it and get it to where I want it to be. But it ebbs and flows a lot. I, I've been in a real slump. I feel like for the last few months, like starting a lot of songs and not being able to finish them or not wanting to just being like okay got a verse (laughs) now i'm done (laughs) 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 too tired (laughs) um which i think is just because i'm not super inspired right now by my environment and pace of life like i just don't think i have the space with it but i've had time and times in my life where like big time is the fastest song i've ever written like that was literally in my parents at my parents house I was living there right after college hanging out in the living room by myself and I think I wrote it down as like a funny poem and then put it to words and flipped a few lines and it was done in like 15 minutes but I have never done that since <laughs> like I have mm. never cool. <laughs> that was so you like, write it in <laughs> sections like that kind of like I'll throw a, a chorus I do I mean I feel like again I think I'm always just chasing the one funny thing like there's a song on the record that's coming out called lucky and the the first line of that song is which i had i had this line for like four months like i didn't i couldn't write on it just it didn't make sense but it was um she sings her songs in airport bars to old men uh shooting irish car bombs and i was like that's funny (laughs) like (laughs) that's hilarious and just kept it in there for forever and when I had to go to cut the record, I went and took a few months with that song to build it out. And so that took, it took some time. Abby, but. if I seeded you a line, could you write a song and become famous and popular with it? Because I also have a line that I've been sitting on for years. What is it? Is it something about Han Solo? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Damn, it's not that good. It's a, <laughs> unbelievable. No, 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 this is good. It's this is unbelievable. gold. unbelievable. I made it's, it. Oh, wait, wait. You got to tell the story. I you, made and you. Got that's not what don't, it is. His response. That's not what it no, is. No, it is. It? It's 100%. Oh, it is. Wow. But wait. Yeah. Tell, wow. the, tell the story of how it came about because that so is I'm in equally the as green amazing. room at Quest. Have you, have you not already told this story on the podcast? Of though? course because I have. I make, you, I make you tell this story every time. Like when TJ was at the, uh, <laughs> at the video it. shoot, I was like, tell, tell TJ the story tell right now. Story. <laughs> Abby, I only have 10 stories and I just recycle through every single time. You always forget when you've told them. Exactly. 
That's because I'm 100,000 years old. Um, so this is when I was living in Hilton <laughs> in Head Chinese with Jay. Years. And he pulled me out to this party with him and his like coworkers. And I didn't know any of these people. And I'm just like, dude, I don't want to go to this party. All these pricks. Either way, I went. Um, and we're playing this drinking game called Kings. And you have this deck of cards. And each card like represents a different challenge or a different kind of fun game. And so there's probably 30 people in this circle. And someone pulls a card. And it's um, the game is essentially you have to rhyme a word. And the last person who can't think of something that rhymes has to take a drink. So the guy to my right is the first person to go. And I'm assuming he's going to say something very standard, you know, like cat or steve i don't know anything just like a one word thing and he just goes standard steve he said my skin is golden bronze and my brain goes well what the hell how am i supposed to and then it just hit me like that he said my skin is golden bronze and i looked down and i said i'm drinking from a solo named hans And I was just like, what the was that? Like, oh, my God. And no one in this room cared at all. Look at Nathan's face right now, and that's what I experienced. One day you met Tim Savage, and he was thrilled for you. (laughs) Precisely. Precisely. And then JD the verdict. You're talking to a person who has a handful of EPs, singles, and a full-length album coming out. I'm just just saying, Abby, if there ever comes a time where you maybe feel like you're in a slump, you can it's use a really it good as long as you story, just John. put me in the liner notes. Just put me in the liner notes. You could notes. get, yeah. You, little, you, know, you, you should do, do a it, it is really, honestly, <laughs> I would hold on to that story too because that is a really cool moment. No, I'm holding on to the line party. more than the story. It's a really great call. It's a really great call. Have you seen, <laughs> you banana? Speaking of Kill Tony, do you watch, um, I think you should leave with. Oh, yes. Robinson. Have you seen the one where they're like, Parroting the Johnny Cash one. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. If, and he's the, the bones were there. <laughs> yeah. Bones you had one money. song to sing. <laughs> and that was the night the, night the skeletons came to life. Bones are their money. That's the one. Bones are their money. After I watched that for the first time, that's the one I laughed for like three hours. And we were going to bed. And I woke up at like 5 a.m. just kind of like shaking. And Mary like looked over. Like she woke up and looked over. And she goes, Oh my God! Are you laughing about? I think you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> said, are you laughing about the skeleton song again? <laughs> yeah, it's like five a.m. Mary knows you so I was well. Like maybe. That's all we uh, quote in the in the van is I think you should like someone. It'll we won't talk about it for like three days in the van, and then someone will start, and it oh, will yeah. be an hour and a half of everyone being like, "Do you remember what?" And just goes and goes and goes and goes. What's your band like? Tell us about your band. My band is. Um, so cool, so good. They're amazing. My uh we've all been together. We realized the other day this formation has been together for three and a half, almost four years, which has been awesome. My brother Zach plays electric guitar. I've got Zach Martin on the drums, who's amazing, and Carson Childers on bass, who also has a podcast. He does very cool podcast. Awesome. Yeah, he met Manchester Orchestra before I did, so that's annoying. (laughs) Um, did you meet him? Did I? No. Just still. You're like, he's met still. them and she hasn't. Oh, okay. no. I still have yet to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Carson's chumming it up with Andy Prince big time. I said, Prince what? is king. Shout this out. This is unfair. I'm friends with Tim. <laughs> Tim's my buddy. Oh, my God. What? Nobody cares about Tim, John. <laughs> Tim, hey, I, I what do you mean? You Tim's, much, your, <laughs> Tim's the drummer, Chris. 
<laughs> you also don't care about Manchester Orchestra, so nobody cares. Go about back Tim. to your cluster, you banana. <laughs> oh my Zach, god, your brother <laughs> writes some great songs. From your mom. Oh my gosh, I yeah. love. He's he, incredible. When yeah. he posts a video and it's just his phone set up and him in his apartment with his guitar, I'm yeah. just like, get someplace quiet, like kill everything. It's like it's time to uh. listen to Zach. <laughs> oh, Zach's so talented. Yeah, Britton was like, do you think if we interviewed Abby? Zach would then come on. <laughs> Let's no, interview Abby to get to Zach. Way? I did not say and that. And then if we get Zach, maybe, just maybe, we can get Katie. <laughs> and then we can get Andy Prince. <laughs> and then Glenn. And then Bob. Oh, my God. Bob, tell me about tell me about your upgrowing years, Bob. The entire Hamilton family. <laughs> Honestly, so when, that'd be a good podcast. So tell us a little bit, like, what time is it? Because you're on a different time than everybody else. What sure. time is it? Right now, it's like 945 at night. What is this to you? This is like dinner time. If I'm working a shift, this is dinner time for sure. I mean, if we were on tour, this would be, we would be in the middle of the set right now, probably. Hell yeah. So this is height, uh, nervous system. (laughs) 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 Everything's firing right now. (laughs) I have that problem too. My job. What time do you go to sleep on tour? Does it vary or do you, is it usually just like best to sleep late into the day, I guess? It kind of varies. It's weird because like we we're in a weird spot where we're chasing a bus a lot right now. Mm. So yeah. everybody in the headlining band goes to sleep, and the bus rolls all through the night to the next day. And we have the choice to cut early from the set. Let's say it's a six-hour drive. We either get a little ways down the road, or we wake up super early the next morning. So it just kind of depends, like night to night. Uh, we just went out with Houndmouth in the spring, which was awesome. But that was like a big old bus chase, and it was you guys in a van, and that was just the three or four. It of was you? just me and Zach, so it was duo. And then I brought Katie, my younger sister, with us because we yeah. needed drivers. I was just like, I can't, we cannot do this. So we had. It was also the height of like tornado season in the spring, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we were storm chasing the entire tour. <laughs> And we had one, we played with them one night. I want to say it was in, it was in Mississippi somewhere. Either Jack, where's, where's the big college in Mississippi? Oxford? Is that a college town in Mississippi? In Mississippi, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. Johnny said yes. Yeah, it's where, um, well, it's where I, Ole Miss is. Uh, Ole Miss. Yes, okay. We were there. We played a show. We had checked the radar because I, or no, I had gotten a TikTok of this like random on my For You page, this 19-year-old girl being like, I'm starting a weather channel. Here's what's what we're looking at tomorrow. And it was like uh, level five tornadoes rolling yeah. through Arkansas, Ooh. which is we had to be on the like the furthest tip of Arkansas by the next morning. Dang and God. the tornado was rolling through or we had to be there by six o'clock the next day. The tornado was rolling through in the middle of Arkansas at like, I don't even know, like two o'clock, which would have been our drive time if we stayed the night. So we literally looked at each other and we were like, everybody chug a Red Bull. We are driving. So we drove all the way through the night from Mississippi yeah, up to Arkansas. Geez. Missed the, one of the biggest tornadoes to ever roll through. What's the main, what's the biggest city in Arkansas? Little Rock. Little Rock. We missed literally the biggest tornado in Little Rock that's hit in like six years. I remember that Bill Clinton. Slick Willie. (laughs) It was insane. So we've like learned over time. You know what I did? I did listen to a podcast about Bill Clinton the entire time we were rolling through Arkansas. And I learned so much. (laughs) Like when in Rome. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) 
it was crazy yeah so we're not getting good sleep right now but yeah. we've learned that like i've learned and my band and i were just talking about this like if you don't sleep you get sick yeah. That's just yes. always what happens. Like, you Britain, can do you have it. anything to say about that? <laughs> do. You don't sleep? He works for 48 hours straight, oh. and then he's like, I'm going to go see a movie. 24 <laughs> hours. Well, well, I, when I get off shift, I'm just like, I got to, you know, wind down or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, bless you for it's, going it's to Dana really Morris the other morning. I was like, what are you doing here? Like, you have Yesterday, every excuse to You miss. caught me. You caught So, I can't believe before you, you left... I came home because I took Brendan and Rooney home, and then oh yeah, once a week that happens where I'm just like, ah, and I can just feel like the battery is just like draining. And I, and Liz came out and I was like, "Are you done with your thing?" Because she was working on the computer at home, and she was like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lay down." And I just well, yeah, that's because you've been up for 900 hours. Yeah, probably. That's what happened. Do you know tornadoes? They call them. So you said um, class five. They call them. What do they call tornadoes whenever they label them? Twisters. I just no. watched Twister last week. For the well, they call them <laughs> EF, one, two, yes. three, four, five. But we always call them F. That had to be somebody from Kentucky. We got an F5 <laughs> coming down <laughs> this way. What's that? I, all I remember from the movie Twister is when she's on the phone and she's like, no, I won't marry your penis. No, she <laughs> says, no, no, <laughs> Dairy, did she didn't marry you for your penis. Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, as a kid, all I remember is, <laughs> no, I won't marry your penis. <laughs> R.I.P. Bill Paxton. I literally just watched that movie like two weeks so ago. TJ good. and I watched it. It was so good. I was crying. They're doing a is sequel. it Helen Hunt? Is that the, Helen the Hunt. girl? Oh, yeah. When you first meet her, is like, so there's also this girl on TikTok that does impressions of like women written by men in movies, and it's mm. just the most classic like pick this up, follow me, I let's go her. fast, da 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 da. I loved you then, and all of Helen Hunt in that yep. opening scene that, with him is that, is that. <laughs> and I was crying because I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is a woman written by a man. Is it that same girl <laughs> who does the like bartenders, like female bartenders? Yes. She's like. Well, well, well. Mary hates when I watch. I watch them like back to back. Well, 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 well. well. I think the they're remaking Twister, aren't they? Are they're they're really? a sequel. Sequel. Yeah, sequel. It's a sequel, oh and I think yeah. it's um, it's the dude that was in Maverick. The Twister's back, and it's pissed. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's Glenn Powell. He's gonna be Glenn like, yes, yes. Hangman. How are you going to ma- remake a movie where all the actors are dead? Like the the reoccurring character is the Twister? They're just trying something. <laughs> trying to see something. And then Starring Hurricane Twister. Irene came back 25 years later, um, and she made a mess of this town. <laughs> so, so you were on t- tour with Houndmouth in the spring. You just recently went on tour with Tyler Childers for a few Ooh. days. Yeah, tell us about yeah. that. How did that go? Seemed cool. It was awesome. It was so scary. (laughs) (laughs) To be totally honest. Because of the tornadoes? Uh, A ton of tornadoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The venues seem substantially larger than. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I just had never. I mean, I don't think I really. I didn't do research about this. Like, I knew knew they were going to be big, but I just had no idea how big. You know, I, we're just so geeked. We're, like, so grateful to be there and mm-hmm. feel like kids trying to not be too loud in the catering area and, like, <laughs> you know, and we're chilling all day long, like, so chill. I was so zenned out, like, <laughs> our rider was fulfilled, like, we were just hanging and 
as soon as we walk on stage, my knees just like start to buckle. Cause I mean, what I thought was going to be like maybe seven or 8,000, which is still the biggest audience I've ever played in front of was 20,000. The first show we ever did with them. What was the first show? Uh, Meriwether post pavilion. So it's right outside of DC. It's like put Riverbend Riverbend seven times. Like Jeez. so outdoor amphitheater that's just I mean state of the art and absolutely beautiful. Wow. But yeah, and the the support band for him that night was drive by truckers. I, that was, I didn't know that was, wow. that was a case. I had no idea. I just was not paying attention because I was so nervous leading up to this whole thing. And that's we had insane. so many details rolling up before that had to get resolved and it worked out. We finally got there and then I just like got on stage assuming no one would be there because we're the first of three and I've been to concerts many times in my life and I'm never there for the first of three, (laughs) even for a major artist, you know? Um, But no, the entire pit was full and the entire lawn area above was full and it was, I blacked out. I don't remember, (laughs) not from drinking, but um, anxiety. And we did a great job. And then we got to, you know, I like came to and looked up at the end and all of drive by trucker. You might have to cut this, but (laughs) all of drive by truckers was on the side of the stage with three bottles of Casamigos Reposado. (laughs) (laughs) Just been (laughs) drinking and just going, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I just was like, this is the closest thing to my wedding day. I probably will ever experience like this kind of like overwhelming, like, all I could feel was like shake it's and core tears. Memories. Yeah. yeah, core memory. Um, and then got to talk to all of them right after and watch their set, which was incredible. And were then, you full band at that point, or was it just you, Zach? Yeah, we were full band. We're we're pretty much full band now okay. from here on out. Just like there was no way I was gonna do that solo. <laughs> my band. I just would have died. Like like my arm just shaking the whole time. Yeah. But it was so cool because it's the first time we really played many of those Zookeeper songs. Mm-hmm. And we played them in front of probably at that point 10,000 people for the first time. Jeez. And Incredible. it felt Insane. great. <laughs> I was like, okay, we wrote songs for rooms like this. The clips that I've and heard, it sounds so good. It's I mean, so I think good. that's just like the beautiful privilege of getting to tour like that. I mean, it's our first one that's anything close to that ever. Yeah. And it's with someone that I respect and love so much. And his crew is insanely kind. And then the rest of the dates were with S.G. Goodman. And I, I was going to say, I love S.G. Goodman. That's you, so cool. She is the funniest, funniest person I've ever met. And so, so kind. And her whole band is just, we just chummed it up the whole time. It's really cool to be first to three on a tour like this and feel like you're a part of it. I've had many experiences where even as the support, you're just there, you know, and that's part of doing it. But I also have had some like really insanely cool tours in the last two years with artists that I am obsessed with that have just treated us like I didn't expect them to be that nice. (laughs) You just don't expect people to have time for you in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any like performance rituals that you do like before you go on yeah, stage like what's your you pre-show i've been really good about warming up recently which is a new thing within the last when we started doing those tours where we're not sleeping i would lose my voice i just would you know 
get lost in the sauce a little bit <laughs> throughout the weeks. And so I definitely, Zach and I will do vocal warmups together right after a sound check. So normally we've got about two hours to kill in that window. So, and then I, I like to do like a little bit of food and it's got to be really light. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like a salad a or soup. it's like a, a gazpacho soup. <laughs> it's got to be. Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite sketch. That's an insane one. It's the one that <laughs> made me. This gazpacho burned me. <laughs> it's the only one that, it's the one that turned me towards that show. Cause the other ones I was like, this is. This is kind of funny, and then that sketch <laughs> yeah, man. knocked is me that, out. Is that the one where they're? It's Tim Heidecker. Charades. He's like the pretentious. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, those burgers. Like, it's, it's lukewarm. He's like, yeah, but when you're expecting it to be chilled, that's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Stupid. Anyway, you eat a little bit of a light thing. I eat a little bit of a light thing because I've also like eaten a full meal before a show and felt like I was going to puke the entire time <laughs> I was singing. So I don't do that again. Is your vocal warm up like a la 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 la? Oh yeah. Okay. It's like I have runs. Like it's from Spotify. It's this really it's, it's like a German <laughs> man that's going <laughs> one two three go. <laughs> it's so essential though, isn't it? Like if you're, if you're singing with any kind of regularity, you have to do it. It is. You have to just like and I just am so ridiculous because I wrote a record that is really hard to sing live. <laughs> really hard to sing live and. You know, it's to the point where we're like, if I'm touring this record full time, we probably are dropping keys on a lot of these songs because I just can't. You know, I was impressed with myself, but only because of vocal warm ups. Yep. And if I don't do it, I will kill my voice. What's but like the hardest wrong. one that you're singing? Honestly, right now it's um, the it's whatever helps you sleep at night because it's so high. Mm. It's so high for longer than any other yeah, just one just in those choruses. Yeah, uh, it's just a big, it's like a big anthemic song. And then the bridge out of Zookeeper is just yes. wants to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we did it and it, it worked. And it's it's crazy what having like an insanely great band and good sound and good monitors does for your vocal confidence. Mm. Like doing that at the Lantern that night for our release show uh, was <laughs> so hard to do because yeah. I couldn't hear it. So I just. Didn't know if it sounded good. Gosh, Abby, I was about to say, so I, I wrote this down. Um, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but one thing that I've always, and, and whether this was intentional, not intentional, you've just done it really well. And we've talked about this a little bit, like when we hang out and stuff, about how you have the local scene kind of behind you. And I feel like the Green Lantern was a, was a really, really like cool definitive picture of that but i think it's because and no i know it's because like the local scene is behind you because you are 100 behind this local scene like i mean canonize me johnny andrew and my cousin eric are in a band we would have probably never played our first show and you're like hey can you play me one of the songs you've been writing and you're like hey you want to open my ep release show <laughs> and like yeah. you like you we made were the us, sore like, thumb in that yeah, show you literally, <laughs> you literally made a set of date though and like and like we've been a band for six years because of that moment yeah. in yeah. andrew's backyard when we were i was just like yeah. fumbling around in the acoustic for you but anyway like you just are, are such a cheerleader of of local artists and local venues and local bands and to see you play you have you know you have a, a an album coming out on a label, you have a music video that's sick. You have like all this cool stuff happening, and you play a show at the Green Lantern, which is a beloved like landmark in Kentucky in Lexington. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily like the polished venue that 
you know, you could have done that show at the Burl, yeah. but you did it at the Green Lantern. And you told me about it a while back. And I was like, that's a cool idea. But like to see however many people like piled in there to hear you play that album start to finish with pretty much what, like two weeks notice, weeks notice. Yeah, we <laughs> we were so late on getting graphics that I was like, no one's going to come to the show. It was no awesome. One's coming to the show. <laughs> and it was just like, it felt like a full on just like yeah. party. It was like a celebration of like, I love this scene. And the scene was kind of like, we love you too. Like, it was just really cool. And you sounded amazing. I, I've never heard the Green Lantern sound like Dude, that. Shout out to Tivis. Tivis killed that. He's uh, one of the main guys at the Lantern and has is a drummer an incredible drummer but that boy opened up that bar for us at 2 p.m (laughs) 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 just every time i saw him i was like thank you thank you thank you and colin did the we've got a german podcast that we need you to play (laughs) do i'm so sorry colin cook did your like cool backdrop did the backdrop and him and his wife are are the cover of your album right? yes yeah yeah oh really oh yeah i haven't seen it colin and amantha i um yeah, you have it on when you play number one. It's the, paper, it's that is the, the single. That is yeah. the single. Yeah. I haven't seen this. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's just funny. I, I had like, honestly, <laughs> was like, we're not going to play the Burl until, I mean, we, we were already lined up for Burl County Fair in sure. September. So I just was like, it doesn't make sense for me to try to do a headlining show without a record out at a 350 cap room. Um, and the Green Lantern is my favorite bar it's in sick. town. Like yeah. I'm there all the time and I've built such a beautiful community and f- so many good friends there. But I also just wanted to bring back the feeling of a secret show mm. yes. and wanted to have this like DIY element to how we're putting out this record because we really are putting it out in a very DIY way. Like mm-hmm. even the label thing is not really like it is a patched together independent sure thing and every part of building the team this last year and touring has just been so diy it's been crazy it's very cool because it definitely seems that way it, is, it definitely yeah. seems like a team Even and like I your graphics didn't. for the show was kind of cool like with all like the redacted stuff and like yeah day by oh day, my gosh that was cool more information and stuff yeah was cool. yeah i felt super corny i was like nope. is is the scene gonna kill me for this no, <laughs> like, no it was I didn't so know what good to do but i could not believe like I feel like that entire, when we finally, TJ ended up dropping, we couldn't find parking 30 minutes before the show because I ran up to change and TJ dropped me off and I walked up and was like, oh, they were spilling out. Oh my God. And it was like every person from my life, like it was people from Quest. It was my parents were there. It was. I watched um, the first two songs with Glenn. my mom talked to every single person in her section and she sent me all these pictures because sarah gillen made these shirts for give it up for zach martin on the drums which was something that wes (laughs) used to say about zach and brother smith all the time so they all have their own t-shirts so five or six people were there in those shirts that night and my mom took a picture of every single one in the (laughs) audience and she was sending them to me (laughs) i was like barbara but it was crazy it was so overwhelming and just and the fact that Bendigo could be there, that was like, we had talked about that six months ago and it just so happened they were coming back from tour the night we scheduled to do it. And I was like, please, please come. <laughs> Very it was perfect. Guess. It was perfect. It was awesome. So you, so then you went on tour with Tyler and uh, SG Goodman and then you're doing Red Rocks with, is it, is it SG as well? It's SG as well. Okay. Yep. 
in yep. at the end of this month. Dang. What a euphoria. Are you just going to levitate off the stage? <laughs> I'm probably going to black out again. <laughs> is, is Deer Tick, you're going on tour with Deer Tick before that or after, after. that? After. Okay. Yeah, we hit the road with Deer Tick end of October all the way up till Thanksgiving. When's the Red Rocks show? September 27th? Yeah. Gosh, I tried Wednesday. so hard. I tried so hard to get a get Dude, a ticket to that. We that could, was uh, the time I awoke into the the Tyler fandom. I yep. mean, I just I sent everybody the pre-sale codes and nobody got them. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody got them. I can get you in. <laughs> at the same time, as cool as as cool as it would be to see you at Red Rocks as your friend and a fan of your music, you're going to be playing to a Red Rocks full of people who don't necessarily know this music yet. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool too. You're yeah, playing it's really Red terrifying. Rocks, man. It's like <laughs> insane. It's insane. Insane. Yeah, I can't believe it. I just, I think the entire time I was on this run with Tyler, I was trying to find every moment to just be like, we know we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> like, you don't have to tell us. And had to get over that feeling. Yeah. Yep. Just like, He's I was invited here. I was invited yeah. to be here. Get out there. Own that like, shit, man. Yeah. He's probably a good counterpart for that because he's very much like, uh, he cut teeth for a long time. He uh, played Green Lantern. Yeah, well, he played. Did. I mean, he played everybody Al's does. Bar and yeah, and he, he used talks to be able to go about it for five bucks on the road. He talks about almost every night we were out with him. He talked about Al's and talked about the Lantern. Yeah, and his solo sections. And you know, I remember seeing SG. She used to be in a band called the Savage uh, Radley or Savage Radleys. And I saw them at Al's like right after college <laughs> a few times, and it was awesome. So it helps me just kind of sit back into this place of like whoa your career could look so different every single year <laughs> like <laughs> it could look like this this year and then might never look like that again or it might grow to yeah. be bigger and bigger or it might sustain and do i like what i do enough to do it this way mm. forever is you know that's where i have to like sit back and control my brain spiral <laughs> to not get too heady about it but we've been privilege to like go on the road with people that enjoy what they do it, no yeah. matter how long they've been doing yeah. it which is pretty refreshing because you meet some old heads even around a lot around here that just will tell you their story of the opry and who <laughs> them over and why they do what they do now and no one's gonna help you you know and the, i kind of came into this when i started touring for the first time came into it with that mentality because i was like oh that's what they said it's gonna be and then i was like so blown away that you know people at that level love what they do so much yeah. <laughs> you know and they've had to find ways around finding sustainability but in terms of their day-to-day -day process with it not in career but like yeah i feel like we're just in school in a big big old school right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> learning there, a lot is there anything i mean obviously you're like on the very front end of this where you're like pinching yourself when you go on stage but is there anything that any one or any artist or anything specific that you're like, here's the one thing that I want to do or is Red Rocks it? <laughs> oh man. Um, Red Rocks was a big one. I mean, I definitely have a bucket list of venues for sure. And Red Rocks was on it. Never thought that that I would touch that stage for like at least eight to 10 more years if I did it like this, you know? Um, I definitely have like artists that I want to tour with so bad. Like, a goal in the next few years was like if we could get to Europe, if we could just get to Europe and tour a little while, 
with like a Sam Fender or like a, I love what is coming out of England right now. All these rock bands are just so, <laughs> so good. And I was like, if we could make this cross sometime. But I mean, a big one would just be like Jason Isbell would be really huge for me. I've loved him for so long. Um, and Cheryl Crow and like, you know, I made my list of like, here are the dream that if I could tour with anyone and it's probably 70 people long, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the big shots being like, if we could just get one first of three for Bruce Springsteen, I will kill myself. <laughs> well, you, you, you've developed a sound that is, is kind of far reaching. It can, yeah. you can play with a lot of different yeah. sounding bands and artists, which is really cool. Instead of just playing, uh, I mean, the Tyler Childers one is a perfect, like first quote-unquote big tour for you but sure. but you could play with indie rock bands you could play with that's Americana. what we wanted i was like when we when i, I had the uh, just like awesome privilege of getting some agents last year who are incredible people who mm. were friends first we did all that and that's what i said i was like i want to be able to take my records and you know this is mostly on me and creating them but i want to be able to take my records on a tour with pine grove as much as i could with why not a Judd? Like mm. if I can awesome. sit here and we can tour, which I think is really my goal is to be able to tour like an indie artist and a rock artist as much as tour with a, oh, you're right. Didn't tour with Missy Elliott. That would be <laughs> great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jason Isbell, that's the way I think of him. Like he's, sure. he's a, he's a rock and roll guy almost first and foremost. Jason's like that. Sure. Yeah. Crow's a lot like that too. Oh, I've sure. always admired yeah. her and her career. She's she's a, she's one that I look up to so much mm. in the ways that she's just made a presence for herself. It's just a rock artist in that way. I've loved. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm excited yeah. for everyone to get to hear like getting to know your your previous stuff and and you know broke girl and afraid of the dark and this is such a i don't mean departure in like i've left that behind it's clearly still so much about it's so much your style and how you write songs but it's just this like maturing evolution of your sound that it's not just kind of straight down the middle country stuff you know like that it's yeah. so diverse and it is again it's just Thanks. like oh you go like these first couple tracks sound amazing and then you know it, it, i remember hearing mayday the first time too and that bass line i'm just like my gosh like this oh is, is, just, is that the one andrew's talking about uh, i think maybe, it is oh yeah yeah that's right andrew said <laughs> it just andrew, takes you to a said, different you, place you know and it, it's, it's we such said a andrew cool, do you have any questions flavor. And he said, tell her to give us the damn album. There's a song I really need to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> He's been holding on to a song, a song from your show at the Burl like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. He talks about it's it probably, all the time. I think it's made that. I think, I think it is. No, I think it is. Before. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> he texted, we, we were like, hey, we're going to interview Abby tonight. And he was like, well, have fun. God. He's always like kind of sending like disgruntled texts. Like, Thanks for leaving me out. Like, you didn't. Come on. You know you're going to bed in 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> Ask about that song. Ask about that. Song. <laughs> he he, give us he the gave a out. lyric from it that she sang. Oh, I, I, is it, is it the weight of the world on your shoulders? I think I thought that was a different one. Oh no, that's flood. That one's yeah. not. Flood it! That's that's <laughs> album two. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that's actually that one I've never out. heard. I've never heard that one. Flood is it a jars of clay cover? <laughs> it should <laughs> <Come> be. <on. laughs> Honestly. My my manager Michael used to manage Jars of Clay. This is no way. First, what a callback! Yeah, this is one of the first amazing. things I learned about him. Well, and wait, I said, what? That, <laughs> didn't they have an album about zookeepers or something at the zoo? If I Did left, the, if I left the zoo, what? Whoa. 
No, you gotta do I'm it. Walking away. Bam, bam. God, Britton, what? how do you know that song? I no, don't know. I, I was we pretty sure him. that was true. When Andrew said that line, I was like, I think he's marrying two them. different I was songs. In charge of bands. I think he's marrying two of your songs. Okay, waning into best equestrian right here. Okay, I'm gonna ask you one more question. If you could cover one song, like what's your what's the one? Or are you gonna keep that close to the chest? And oh, we've been covering all apologies okay. on the road, and it has been so fun. I think that we'll probably end up cutting it at some point. <laughs> Nirvana? Nirvana, yeah. Would you play it for Best of Quest? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean play it for Best of Quest? Like with a Niren, a Niren up there on vocals with you and Chris on drums, no practicing. And Britt playing a guitar <laughs> with three strings. Oh. Chris Chris Hall oh, my God. Oh, you're saying Quest of Palooza? <laughs> That's what Best of Quest is from. Best of Quest was when, when at the end of Quest of Palooza, when everyone's leaving, <laughs> and Niren like, runs out, and they're like, hurry, hurry, play Ignition, play Ignition. Oh, we're coming back all day. They're like, hey, we've got seven hours to fill before like, yeah. the actual band start. Hey, what about these jokers who played oh this? Oh my pup? god, that's <laughs> insane! Oh man. We were awesome. I'm about to start a festival and call it Quest of Palooza. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Just do it with a K. Quest of Quest of Palooza. K W. I'll write that on the back of my windshield. Yeah, or just call it QZPA. I'm actually not going to do that. I'm just going to make bumper stickers <laughs> and see it go just, through town. Just start writing on people, the back of people's cars and That's parking what I'm lots. Saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> you just started writing that on the back of the cars. People were like, what it's the coming. hell is that? It's coming. It's back. <laughs> people just start crashing their just cars. Just start saying, he's back. <laughs> oh, God. He's coming. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me. Pasta. Pasta. Is coming. Oh <laughs> my god. There's a big deal Did they coming. Move back? Oh, yeah. he's back. Oh, he's back. Pasta's back. They're, they're coming back, yeah. Oh no. Northern Kentucky, though. Um, Chairs of Clay. I'm trying to look at this. Okay, hold on. They do have a song called Flood. That was their, like, that for was their sure. Huge but they, have song. A, they have an album about. Well, what's this? Yeah, about... if I left the zoo. What the? <laughs> Damn it, I'm ripping off Jars of Clay. <laughs> no, no, no. Was this Ian so, or Michael? Michael. Michael used to manage. Michael wow. used to, yeah. Well, I don't know for how long. I don't know what the extent was, but he worked with Jars of Clay for a long time. Dang. I think he was pretty. No, 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 no. His main thing was that he got them back the rights to their records. That was, he was like a part of that, them getting all of the, they didn't own any of the albums they put out, and he was a part of getting all that shit back underneath mm. of them. Taylor Swift style. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Michael, the attorney. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most like excited about? for people to hear and experience with this album i i'm really in a place where i'm just like so ready to get it out <laughs> like yeah. so i've just been sitting on it for so long mm -hmm. that's why it was so hard to decide on a single when you're that far removed from the vibe but like i think i'm really excited about soccer field yeah that that was such a big one for me it came together right at the end of making the album where i just was like we need more meat on mm -hmm. the bone here and it's a song I love, and I love playing. Um, What's it about? Soccerfield is like this weird. It was. Uh, I wrote it about a dream I had, <laughs> very dramatically, where somebody I loved was like. Sounds so crazy, but somebody I loved was like literally falling into a volcano, and I couldn't save them. I was like, do do do, like get catching their arm all the time, hmm. and they just kept sliding. And then I woke up sweating <laughs> and was like, 
do I feel guilty? What do I feel guilty about? <laughs> and so <laughs> the song in itself is mostly just about like, sorry, I didn't listen to you kind of things. But it's got a really cool, uh, I was proud of it because I, I wanted this uh, feeling like Iris, honestly. I wanted like a Goo Goo Dolls, mm. like super consistent acoustic yeah. feeling right when it opens. Justin Craig, the co-producer on it, um, wrote all these really cool vocal parts that are like stuck in the back of the tracks. So they make these like da 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 da. It's just such a cool mm -hmm. soundscape. Is, is he the one playing guitar with you sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Justin is like really our fifth fifth member when we get him, which is awesome. Um, a true true arrangements maestro. But yeah, I think Soccer Field Displacer is one of my favorite ones. Oh, That's yeah. the one we did it. It was such a hard one to write and record, and then we did it at the Lantern. Ryan Anderson from Bendigo sang on the record on that song and wrote some really cool background parts. We did it live for the first time at the Lantern Show. It took us two days to figure it out, mm. practicing. It was so hard. Like, because we just used a lot of like drum machines and pads on the album, and they've been really hard to learn how to adapt. Yeah. But mm. The boys have done such a good job. And we went into the Lantern Show being like, I think this is going to sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my favorite song we did that night. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. awesome. So I'm excited. I'm really excited about that. I think they all just have had so much life in me for the last few years that I'm just like, get it out. Yeah. <laughs> get it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just can't have, wait to hear it. I'm, I'm so excited to like be able to share it with the world finally and then move on and like start to actually write this record. Yeah. yeah. Stuff. When does the album come out? October 13th. October 13th. Yeah. Mark it down, people. Write that down. Come on. Um, and you're doing a residency at the basement? Yeah. Oh. Every Monday starting this, this coming week. The Nashville basement? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm scared. Yeah. Are <laughs> you like the artist playing that night? Like yeah. you're not opening for anyone or anything? Yeah, it's just us. Um, I mean, we're, we're like an early show, so there's shows in the evening. But um, mm. Is basement different than basement east? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the uh, it's way smaller. It's, oh, okay. It's like tiny, tiny. It's pro it's probably 150 cap, maybe maybe 100. But yeah, we're every every Monday in September leading up to Red Rocks, we're playing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I'm trying to find ways to diversify it, and make it cool, have special guests. So we we have a few, but I feel like this will come out probably after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing happens. So. <laughs> It might change, so I'm not going to go on record saying what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's still really cool. Y'all are working really hard. It's and, a lot, yeah. And you're covering a lot of ground, which is really cool. And, yeah, I, the basement, that's, I mean, that's that's a Nashville staple. It's huge, yeah. I haven't really played that much in Nashville at mm -hmm. all. We've, we've had some opening slots at the Basement East, which have been awesome. We played, we opened for Justin Wells there a couple years ago and the Backseat Lovers, which was awesome. Mm. And I feel like somebody else, but I can't remember right now. But yeah, that's really the only places I, the only place I've played in Nashville. So I'm excited to start to be down there more. And we're doing Americana Fest the week before too. So it's gonna be a Nashville month. And the and the Burl County Fair is this coming weekend, right? Mm -hmm. That's cool. And you're in the Madison Cumming, Cunningham Dude, Day. Dude, I am so excited. That was one of my favorite albums last year. Hey, have you guys seen Daniel Nunley? The no. guy that's also on that show. No. I think you you've told me about him before. Love, absolutely adore him. I um saw him open for Shaky Graves. He's great. He's awesome. Hmm. He's out of Nashville. He's playing right before 
Daniel Nunley? Nunley. Okay. Yeah. Super catchy. Blew up, I think, on TikTok, but his records are great. Mm. Like, has been a... Not like a TikTok star that got had one song. He's like been making music for a long time and has had a band. So I'm excited and so pumped to see Madison Cunningham. And then Raylan Baxter's on your day too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good day. My day, I'm not trying to be weird, but my day's the best day. (laughs) I just am like, I cannot believe I am on a bill with these three. Like because I don't know any of them. So we're going, I'm just gonna be like, hey y'all. We're going to Indy to meet my new nephew on Friday, or I was gonna totally Try and try and get over there from Friday. <laughs> Thanks, new nephew. Well, yeah. Sunday's gonna be fun too. Sunday's SG Goodman and mm. Margot Price. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, it's a really cool event. It seems. Abby, thank you so much for hanging out with thank us. Thank you guys yeah. for having me. Do you, you want to say anything else? Do you want to say hi to Barbara? Hi, Barbara. <laughs> hey, remember remember during the pandemic when we watched all three uh, extended edition Lord of the Rings and made chili three nights in a row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's do that again sometime I when you're not on the road. That. <laughs> I'm due for a rewatch. I will cut a tour short. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, got to go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to see fellowship. <laughs> John, do you have any other burning questions? I'm good. Love you, Abby. So He so, didn't uh, even... So John didn't call you, you hamster once i know i think calls her ham bone ham bone it's been a minute i feel like that's just my that's do you my hate that that john calls you hamster no it's been my name <laughs> that was my old name <laughs> <laughs> well we're super excited for you i know you're gonna do uh nardwar and charlemagne the god coming Come up on. soon so thank you for giving us the, the first tips. If I go on tour with Nappy Roots, um, <laughs> will you guys come? Yes. I'm, I'm coming yeah. to the next show I can come to, whether it's in Lexington or not, but uh, it's hard to, it's hard with a kid to hop in a car for eight <laughs> hours and come see you in Raleigh, but you'll be halfway through Zookeeper and uh, Red Rocks and you'll just see me like shimmying down the side. <laughs> you and Billy sneaking <laughs> from the top. Chris propelling down that rock. Chris, is, Chris, is dream. Chris just... With a ladder, like, yeah. I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> He's in, like, AC vent uniform. Yep. Yep. Like, and carrying a bunch of caramel See, corn. Your, your bucket list to play Red Rocks is Chris's bucket list to sneak into Red too. Rocks. <laughs> this um, is, like, with a huge bone. And a ladder. My endorphins are so hard right now. <laughs> hey, the man, that man with the erection <laughs> shimmying down that rope. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Abby, we're not used to having girls on this podcast. (laughs) We always end the podcast with a song. What song? So it's all, whatever song you say we're going to sing right now. You sing it? (laughs) No. No. Acapella. You play it. Okay, wait. What's the, okay, hold on. It feels like Zookeeper. Or like a, yeah, we could do. Or Flood by Jars of Clay. (laughs) Yeah, I think it has to be. Is there any old recordings of Glenn? Just like an up from the grave he rose. (laughs) No, neither of them are recorded, I think. Okay, let me think of this. Looking for a <laughs> You could, but I do think Flood by Jars of Clay would be a perfect outro. <laughs> I think that's what you that should do. That song goes hard. <laughs> rain, rain on my face. There you go. Everybody needs to go check out number one zookeeper of the San Diego Zoo, Please. the single. And then on October 13th, check out the whole record. Go watch the videos. Did you know it's Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. Friday, October Spooky the 13th. Spooky oh, yeah. Music is better in the fall, man. It's yeah. perfect time to release an album. 
Abby, yeah. thank you so much. We're really proud of you, and I feel like the next time it pro- we're going to have to probably be going through two or three chains of humans to, to talk to you and interview <laughs> you again. It's Honestly, I hope so. Rocket to stardom. <laughs> no, I'm going to invite you over no, no, no. for Lord of the Rings rewatch, and then <laughs> it, we're going to have this set up. <laughs> Hey there. Let's just and live let's live pod Lord of the Rings uh, while we're chilling. Twelve, yes. 12 hours. Commentary. Down. Johnny, good to see you. You too. Bye John. Love y'all. Deuces. Thanks, we're Abby. Out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Young American is recorded, produced, and edited in Lexington, Kentucky. I get help from the editing from my brother Chris and Nathan Music. The song that you heard in the beginning is original music, and the song that you're listening to right now is Flood by Jars of Clay, per Abby's request. However, I think it's only fair that we let you guys listen to a little bit of Abby. So here is the number one zookeeper of the San Diego Zoo. You can hear the album on October 13th. And you can hear this song right now. I go to Nicholasville to pass the time And go sit in the park I took myself one of those depressive drives It got pretty dark Some kid was out there playing guitar Singing, if I needed you, then it hit me. All my favorite bands were the ones you made me listen to. Now I'm wondering who you're sleeping with. Thought starts and it doesn't quit. Then I let it take me all the way down. Self sabotage until I drown oh, oh. I guess some things never change It all stays the same All these generational habits They just rearrange I bet you're seeing somebody else now I bet she's really pretty and really smart She probably reads the New York Times Or went to Harvard Or won some kind of Nobel Peace Prize I bet she's the number one zookeeper at the San Diego Zoo And all she wants to do is touch you Good for you Now I'm wondering how you're spending time Yours now once was mine So I'll lie when I put it in Try not to cry at work again So I'll lie when I put it in Try not to cry at work again So the world will spin Chew you up and then spit Like beach nuts tobacco In an old Coke bottle 
Father. So the world. 